0: Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles, That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. Welcome back to the program today, and thank you so much for joining us today and taking time out of your busy schedule to uh, sit down and be a part of this. If you don't have time, please set your DVR and you can watch it at your convenience. Call your friends if you're enjoying this and you know other people that would enjoy it. Call them and tell them about it. And, uh, man, it helps us to get the Word out. I also want to let you know that, uh, that everything that we've aired to date, we're going to begin again today in Hebrews, the eighth chapter. And we're going to talk some more about the Melchizedek priesthood and the sum of what he's spoken through Hebrews. But we've been teaching on the book of Hebrews for weeks and weeks now. And uh, I think it's a very important study. We've been taking our time. One of the things I love about television is that I can come here and film as long as I want to and say as much as I want to and can, and not trying to rush it into like a three or four day meeting somewhere. So uh, we have archived all of that on our YouTube page. Uh, we have also archived it on our iTunes page. But the simplest way to be able to go back and review or to view uh, any of our former programs if you don't have it on your DVR, is to simply go to my website at linhouse.com, and up in the upper right-hand corner there are icons that one of them say YouTube. If you hit that click and you click that uh, icon, it will take you directly to our YouTube page where you can view anything we have aired to date for free there on uh, YouTube. If you would like to stream the audio portions of this in your car or through your smartphone while you're mowing, whatever, I love to put stuff on my iPhone and just do it while I'm maybe mowing or driving down the road. But there is a direct link, again, from my website to the iTunes podcast that we have You can free, it's free. You can download it and uh, listen to it. There's also an RSS feed for any of your Android devices. So you can get the Word of God through uh, so many outlets. And we just believe that these are life-changing concepts. We've just received so many letters and so many, uh, you know, inboxes to our public profile page on our Facebook of people that are saying, this absolutely has revolutionized and changed my life. And so we want you to be a part of that as well. I'll quickly mention as well before I get into the Word that we have a couple of books that were, uh, that, w- that I've written. And the first one is titled The Revelation of Jesus Christ. And this book is available also on our website. But this book is uh, a book about Jesus, the revelation of Jesus Christ. And what I did in this book was I wrote about the first five chapters of the book of Revelation to the seven churches that were really in Asia, to, to to say to those churches, here is what you need to repent about or change your mind about, but not just about sin issues, but this is what you need to change your mind about in order to enter into a new covenant mindset. I could almost stop here and take you to Hebrews out of that, but this particular book, I think, will really bless you, especially if you've been afraid of the book of Revelation, you need to get that book. Uh, The second book I wrote is titled Unforced Rhythms of Grace. And it is available also on our website and also on Amazon. These books are all available also for your Kindle. Uh, But this book is a book about the miracles that Jesus did on the Sabbath day and how they uh, absolutely are a picture, a prophetic picture, of what flows from the incredible posture of rest. And it's talking about living out of the promised land called rest and there's an outflow of milk and honey. You'll be blessed by that book. The last book I wrote just in the last several months has come off the press, From Law to Grace. If you're only going to get one book, this is the one I would get, because this is really a book that will help you transition from law to grace, from old covenant to new covenant, and to make a kingdom paradigm shift. And what I believe is very important about this book is that it marries the gospel of grace with the gospel of the kingdom because the word that John used in the book of Matthew where he said, repent, the kingdom is at hand, is the word repent means to change the way you think and, or to turn about or to turn. And so, so many have turned from law. They've turned from legalism and they've turned from uh, the rules, but they didn't turn toward the Lord. So uh, repentance is not just what you turn from, it's what you turn toward. And uh, what this book is about is turning from law, And turning from what I call rules on rocks. I call it turning from the government of condemnation, but turning toward the government of living spirit, which is the government of affirmation, and learning to live out of your spirit. That's the vital point that I believe many are missing. We're going to get into the Word. Thank you again once, like I said, for uh, being with us today and joining us on the program. And we're going to begin to share again today. I'm going to go back and read my original text. Uh, Hebrews, the eighth chapter says, Now the things which we have spoken, this is the sum. This is what it adds up to. We have such a high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. I have to think when I re- read these words, who is set on the right hand of the majesty the heavens in the heavens. My mind immediately goes to a psalm that I quote so many times in Psalm chapter 2 where he says, Why do the heathen rage, and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth take counsel together against the Lord and against His anointed, saying, Let us break their bands, let us cast asunder their cords from us. Ah, but he that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. He shall have them in derision. For yet have I set my king on my holy hill. You see, we vote ours in, but God sets his. I feel the the preacher coming on me a little bit. I set my king. Yours was voted in, and it changes with the wind. (coughs) And one of the things I shared with you last time in the program was that Melchizedek's priesthood is a priesthood that is not based on uh, a, 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 a genealogy that comes from earth. And because he ever liveth, his priesthood continueth forever. It's a continual priesthood, who he in other words, when God said his king, his king is set. And he said, You can have all the kings of the earth rage, and all the people take counsel against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their bands, let us cast asunder their courts from us. It's another way of saying, let's get rid of their influence. I was thinking today as a few things I was reading about, you know, there's such an anti-Christian sentiment anymore, even coming from the media and from all kinds of outlets and sources that is so anti-Christian that we seem to celebrate the evil and the perverse and the wicked and we we, 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 we want to scoff at and almost, uh, you know, uh, make, make like something wrong with the fact that you're a believer or you're a Christian today. And the kings of the earth will take counsel together against the Lord and against His anointed, said let's get rid of their influence. But I believe we are salt and light in the earth. And one of the things he's saying here in Hebrews is he's not only the high priest, but we're a priesthood also after the order of Melchizedek, and Peter calls it a royal priesthood. You're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Talking about the priesthood of the believer, And he's talking about with a ministry of reconciliation that would minister from a mercy seat, that would begin to continue the ongoing new creation program that God has already set in motion, and to begin to uh, say, you're not going to break our influence, because he that sits in the heavens is going to laugh. He said he will have them in derision, because I've set my king on my holy hill. Here's what Hebrews 8:1 is saying, who sat on the right hand of the majesty in the heavens. God said, I set my king on my holy hill. Declare the decree, you are my son. This day have I begotten the ask of me, and I will give you the heathen for your inheritance and the uttermost part of the earth for your possession. You see, Jesus has an inheritance. He is the son, and because he is the son, hallelujah, who is ever seated at the right hand of the majesty in the heavens. His kingdom is an ever increasing kingdom. Uh, What the prophet Isaiah said, and of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end and I'm getting excited here a little bit today because I'm thankful that, you know, we could put a lot of focus on the darkness that's going on. And we could talk about what the enemy's doing, what the devil is doing. But I'm going to say today, I want to talk about what the Lord is doing and what I believe is more powerful. I want to be, if you will, a person who is promoting hope and not gloom, despair, and agony. And the hope is of the increase of His government and peace. What, what did Isaiah say? To uh, for unto us... A child is born. Unto us a son is given, and his name shall be called the Wonderful, the Counselor, the Mighty God, the Prince of Peace, the Everlasting Father, and of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. This is what Hebrews 8 is talking about. This is what it all adds up to. We've got a high priest who is not going to vacate the throne, he is still seated. At the right hand of the Majesty. And he is a minister, verse 2 says, of the true sanctuary in the heavens, the true tabernacle which the Lord mit, pitched in not man. He is literally seated in the heavens right now as living proof, hallelujah, that he is in charge and he is an authority. I love what Daniel says. There, there came one like the ancient, or there came like one like a son of man and appeared before the ancient of days and received a kingdom and dominion and glory. That's not what he's going to do. That's what he did when he was raised from the dead. God seated him at his own right hand and made him a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Let's go back and look at a few things in review because he's talking about this is the psalm. This is what it adds up to. In Hebrews 2 I think was one of the first mentions of uh, uh, this faithful high priest. It said, for he is a faithful, he's a, he's a merciful and faithful high priest and makes reconciliation for the sins of the people. So he's a merciful high priest. This is what it adds up to. He's not just bringing your sin to your remembrance, but he's bringing your righteousness to your remembrance and he's able to make re- reconciliation. And Hebrews 4 verses 14 through 16, it says, because we have a high priest that is passed into the heavens, we can hold fast our profession. We don't have to back down from our profession of faith. We're not in and out of salvation as quickly as most people think. We can hold, because of the faithfulness of our high priest, we can hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. Because it's on the basis of not what I've done, but on the basis of what he's done, that I can hold fast the profession of my faith without wavering, for He is faithful that promised. And He's able to succor them uh, that come to Him. It also tells us in that same chapter, Hebrews 4, that He is touched with the feelings of our infirmities. And He was attempted at all points, like as we are, with, yet without sin. Hallelujah. Now let me just deal with that before I go to the next thought about that. We have a high priest who can be touched with feelings, Now I want to, I want to, I want to put a little emphasis on this, because we got people that say, well, you know what? Your feelings don't touch Him. Your emotions don't touch Him. Faith touches God, which I wholeheartedly agree. Faith does touch God. Your faith touches Him. But this scripture goes on to tell us that not only does your faith touch Him, but He's touched with the feelings of your infirmities. Uh, I have some friends that wrote a song back some time ago and the song had to do something with, God takes our tears and He puts them in a bottle of remembrance. And when I first heard that in my younger days of ministry, I'm thinking, oh, that sounds almost carnal. God puts our tears and puts them in a bottle of remembrance. And then I found out it is absolutely a scripture that says that. God takes your tears and He puts them in a bottle of of remembrance. I, I, you, know, uh, you know, as I sit here thinking about this, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about how many people might be watching this program today, and you're going through something, and you've been in a season where it seems you're, like your whole life has been nothing but tragedy and heartache and loss, and you've weeped and wailed, if you will, and gnashed your teeth, and, 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 and you've literally been through an emotional roller coaster. And there are many times that you think He doesn't care. You know, one of the things that, that, that really touched me recently is the Scripture that says this, casting all your care on Him. Here's the next part it's important, because we know He careth for you. If you don't know He cares about you, you're not going to cast your care upon Him. But the next few verses says, for... Satan is like a roaring lion, going about seeking whom he may devour. And I was thinking the other day, who may he devour? Who is it that he may devour? Well, it's people, first of all, who don't know he cares. When you don't think he cares, then you're not able to cast your care on him. See, faith works by love. And when you know he loves you, When you know you're loved, there's something about knowing somebody cares about you and loves you enough that they're going to work all things together for your good. Now I didn't say that everything that comes down your way is from God, but I will tell you this. First of all, God is not the source of your pain, but He also will not waste your pain. But He'll step right in the middle of it. And he will work all things together for your good, and the outcome of it sometimes is it works out so good we almost think it was God 's idea, but whom he may devour first of all, I think, is those who don 't know he cares. Secondly, I think he's talking about in the context of that people who are under the law because he can use the weapon of uh, he can use the weapon of condemnation and guilt to get you to run from God rather than run to God but I, I was thinking even as I 'm talking about this. He's touched with the feelings of our infirmities. What we're talking about in this segment is Hebrews 8, of the things which we have spoken, this is what it adds up to. But Hebrews 4 said He can be touched with your feelings. So you will be able to cast all your care on Him when you know He cares for you. Your tears have not been wasted. Your weeping might endure for the night, but joy cometh in the morning. The book of Revelation, God wipes tears off of all faces. No more crying, no more pain, no more suffering. The Lord is near to them. He He takes, he, he, listen, he bore also our griefs and carried our sorrows so that he's a faithful high priest who has been touched with human emotion. I think even at the, you know, he raised Lazarus from the dead, but he wept on the way. And I think he was weeping because they didn't believe, but I think that he could feel the emotional pain that was in the heart of maria and and Martha and those that stood by as he was on his way you know to raise Lazarus from the dead, but he was touched with human emotions, people that are going through heartbreak and they're going through marital problems, they've lost a loved one, they've lost someone to a tragedy uh their hearts are heavy, and you need to know something. There is a faithful high priest who can draw near to you even in the times of your trouble, and that He can be touched with the feelings of your infirmities and your human weaknesses. Yet He did all that without sin, so He's able to secure us. Not only was He touched with our human emotions, but He was also tempted in every point. With every sin you've ever been tempted with, He was tempted with it. Uh, In other words, this is not just about a priest who can take your sins past and say, we're just going to keep on giving you forgiveness. And that is part of the perpetual sacrifice, is that this forgiveness is a sacrifice that's once and for all. But see, what happens with many people is they think, well, that just gives me a reason to keep on sinning. But see, Paul's response to that in Romans 6 is, should we continue in sin so that grace can abound? God forbid! How can we who are dead to sin live any longer in it. What the gospel does, what grace does, what this new covenant priest does, is he becomes a very present help in the time of need. He knows your struggle, and he's able to step into your human experience and say, I can identify with you. Somebody's listening to me today. I really feel the spirit on this today. And you need to know that Jesus is identifying and can feel the pain you feel, the suffering you feel. The 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 uh, uh, a turmoil that you feel, he was touched with every feeling of infirmity, yet without sin, so that he's able to reach into your heart and life. And by the Holy Spirit, he's right there to comfort. He's right there to not leave you in your pain, but to bring you up out of your pain, to bring you up out of your grief. He's not here to just console you and tell you your sin's okay and everything's good. He's there to reach down to save you from your sin. He's there to reach into your life and draw you up out of the hell you've created for yourself, literally. He's the one who's able to secure you and step into that. And so I, I, I begin, I'm not getting far in this segment, but it's, I think it's important anyway. But I, I thought about the disciples who were getting in the ship and Jesus said, let's get in the ship and go to the other side. They'd been ministering and the multitudes had been there and the throngs were upon them. And they get in the ship and Jesus goes into the back part of the ship and He goes to sleep. While He's sleeping, a tremendous storm begins to arise and it's tossed to and fro and man, they are, uh, fear, fear, fear begins to grip them and they are uh, in the midst of what looks like a catastrophic event. Jesus is asleep in the ship. Now, the first thing I want to say to you is if Jesus is in the ship, number one, you're in pretty good shape. Number two, if He's asleep, that means He's resting. And if He's resting, that means everything's going to be all right. But what I want you to see is that the disciples are seeing this storm. They're going through a very real storm. And when this storm gets so tumultuous, and it looks like they're about to perish. They go to the back of the ship, and they wake Jesus up. And when they wake Him up, this is what they said. Pay close attention to this. They said, Lord, don't you care that we perish? See, that's the issue right there. Don't you care? Their problem is, they didn't think He cares. See, if you're going through something today, you may be going through it, and in this moment you think, he doesn't care. He doesn't care about little old me. He doesn't care about my problem. Here's what's so wonderful this is a personal high priest that you've got constant access to. And when you really find out that he really does care, then you can cast your care on him because he cares for you. And then Satan, who is nothing but a loud mouth, roaring, lying, seeking whom he may devour. Will have to back down because he can't devour you anymore. When you realize he really does care for me, he really cares. So we used to be a song we sang: "He really cares when your head is bowed low." Hallelujah! He really does, and he's touched with the feelings of your infirmities, and uh, he is there seated so that uh, you can uh, hold fast the profession of your faith and see, knowing that he cares will put you in a position where faith begins to arise because like I said a while ago, faith works by love. And when you realize how much you're loved and how much you're cared for, it's kind of like, you know what, it's like you as, you know, your parents, or you know, you've got a confidence in your parents. I was thinking about a friend of mine, I hope you don't mind me mentioning, but David Hughes was in a conference recently. Of course, I've had him on the program here Pastors Benson First of Stembley in Benson, North Carolina, a great friend of mine. But he said when he was a kid, he was absolutely terrified of water. But he liked, he liked to go into the swimming pool. And he said, man, at the whole time uh, when we would go someplace where they had a swimming pool, whether it was a beach or hotel or whatever, or people's house, he said, man, I'd get along the edge of that pool. And he said, I would hold on to the edge, and I would work my way around that edge. And I absolutely refused to jump into the water He said, but my dad would get in that pool and he'd be about halfway out and he'd tell me, jump into my arms. And he said, I would climb up on the edge of that pool and I would run and jump into the arms of my father. And he said, the reason I could do that and the reason it removed fear from me is because I knew my father cared enough about me and loved me too much to let me drown and to go under. Oh man, I'm talking to somebody today. I feel the Holy Ghost in this particular segment. you're you're scared to death, but I'm going to tell you, your father is standing there with his arms open saying, take the leap of faith, take the jump. I really do care for you, for God so loved the world. We're so willing to believe God is angry and so willing to believe He's mad with us that we forget that He really does care. And what we don't realize is that God doesn't just have love, He is love hallelujah, for God is love. And you know, uh, the, the powerful point with that is that when you love, there's a supply that comes from that. I mean, you know, I can't help but think even about my kids, my grandbabies, and, and, and man, there ain't nothing in the world that could keep me from reaching out to whatever their need was. I've, I've used the picture before of the scripture that says that for the weakness of God, is stronger than men, and the foolishness of God is wiser than men. And I know there's a lot of ways to look at that Scripture, but the thing that really caught my attention is said the weakness of God. I thought if God has a weakness, I want to know what that weakness is. And as I began to really explore the Scripture, I found out that the weakness of God is His children. God so loved the world that His family is His weakness. Just like you have a weakness for your children. God could have in one breath, wiped out the entire Adam family. And with the second breath out of his nostrils, recreated a brand new human race. David capitalized on it when he said, when I consider the heavens and the sun, the moon and the stars and the works of your hands, and all that you've created, what is man that you're mindful of him? Or the son of man that you would visit him? I'll tell you what it is it's His weakness. His children are His weakness. He said, another translation says, when I consider the sun, the moon, the stars, and the works of your fingers, and all you've created, what is man that your mind is full of him? When you created all of this vast universe, you had us in the center of your mind. Now here's the deal, if everything God does, everything God creates has us in the center of it, then everything we do, everything we create, ought to have God in the center of it. There's nothing in the world that would ever make me want to cast myself in the line, let me say it like this, of a speeding truck on some highway somewhere. But you let one of my kids or my grandkids be out on that white line playing and see a speeding truck of destruction headed for them, and I would cast myself in the line of that speeding truck if I thought I could save my son or my daughter or my grandbabies. And so the the reality of it is God so loved the world that He saw us headed for a destruction, He wrapped Himself in human flesh and came and cast Himself in the line of the destruction that belonged to us because He cared so much for us. He's a faithful high priest who can be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. What a faithful high priest He is. God cares about you today. That ought to make your faith go to another level. We're about to run out of time. Let me just say very quickly uh, in the last minute of this program that if you've enjoyed these programs and you're appreciating what we're teaching, even if you're watching this from YouTube, let me just encourage you to follow the link. It's very easy to give or to become a partner. You can go to this website and go to the link. There's a way to give via credit card or debit card. You can even set up a monthly uh, debit that goes automatically on your credit card every month. If you want to become a partner, that's an easy way to do it. You could call the number on the screen to be somebody to take your call if you'd like to give via credit card or write a check and send it to the address that will come up on the screen in just a few moments. There's a lot of ways to give. But if you call the number uh, on the screen and you don't get an answer and you would like a call back, please leave a message because we have a limited number of staff and the multiple amount of phone calls that come in are impossible to add Uh, all at one time. So leave a message if you'd like a call back. And uh, we appreciate your help, and thank you for helping us to take the gospel of His grace in the kingdom around the world. God bless you. Till next week. I'm very excited to announce the release of my newest book. It is titled, From Law to Grace, A Kingdom Paradigm Shift. In this book we talk about how the gospel is not about a law you have to keep. It is about receiving a life that will keep you. It is not about living this life out of fear. It is about living a life of faith. It is not about rules, it's about a relationship with a loving father. It is about moving from the old covenant government of condemnation to the new covenant government of affirmation. It is about living life as a citizen of the kingdom right now.